0: Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your hosts, Chris Jennings and Dr. Mike Brazier.
1: Once again, joined with my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier. And we have kind of a fun conversation today, and it's a fun and also an educational conversation, especially for spring and summer months. Um, what we're talking about today is really it's urban nesting mallards, more or less, and also some Canada geese too. Uh, but what the issue is, is we, we get tons of phone calls and emails, especially I get them coming in through the website and um, it's all about what do I do with this duck? I have a duck nesting in my, uh flower pot, you know what's the next step, and I wanted to get Mike on here and really bring to light some of the science of it, you know what's going on in this process, but also what do you do? uh what do you do when you have a duck in your pool and it won't leave, like what's that duck preparing to do? so Mike, you know that's one thing we've kind of laughed about it and talked about it quite a bit, but what does someone do? what's the first thing that they do when they find this random mallard nest? Um, in their bushes or in their flower pot
2: let me just say Chris this is one of the first things I realized whenever i actually moved into the position I currently have now at headquarters is that these calls come in quite often you know you can almost set your uh, set your calendar to the to the timing of these of these calls when they start coming in it's obviously you know spring when the ducks start nesting uh, we're here in in Memphis and uh, so yeah whenever spring rolls around you know these calls are going to start coming in in my previous position I, I really didn't get any of these calls I just uh, was it wasn't in that in that type of position to, to really get them and but it, it's kind of neat really is because when you think about the way people intersect with waterfowl for a lot of society this is it you know we had Ben O'Neill on a, an episode early on and he spoke about that very thing and that it's a lot of times we in the profession take these birds for advantage uh, take them um, for granted the the urban nesting ducks and geese but the reality is those are the the components of the waterfowl population that most people have some interaction with so naturally they get these questions and they call ducks unlimited quite often and sometimes you get those questions sometimes they they come to me and so the as you laid out there, the most basic question is: All right, hey, I've got this. We get a phone call, and we call them, and then they say, "I've got this duck that's nesting. It's chosen to nest in my flower pot. What do I? What do I do?" Well, the the reality is that bird is recognized as a migratory species. So that's kind of the first thing that we have to lay out here is there are certain uh, certain pieces of legislation that dictate what you can and cannot do with that bird. Despite it being in an urban setting, it is technically recognized as a migratory bird. So, what comes into play there is the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. So, which states that you cannot harm, harass, take, you know, kill outside of any other, uh, outside of the allowed regulations, these migratory birds. And it does not allow for just kind of blanket removal of, of a duck or a duck's nest or eggs. um, Or I, I should say, you know, the, the duck or, or it's, or it's eggs or ducklings. You have to have a permit to do that. If you can, so that's one of the first things that I tried to do when I started getting these calls, I would call around and find, try to see if there was somebody in the area like these, any of these animal control businesses that would would take care of these situations if they would have the federal permits that would allow them to remove the hen and her eggs and and there's not you know and i've none that i have really found have the have the permits here in memphis to do that because you it's i guess there's a lot of paperwork involved when you're talking about a federal permit so technically with that kind of background you can't just legally go in and remove the uh, remove the eggs uh, of that of that hen without kind of running afoul of of a law that's on the books. So, you know, if you what I once you have that hen and she has a nest with eggs in it, you know, technically you got to let her, uh, you have to let her r- run the course of that um of that uh, of that nesting attempt. Now, the good news is, is that once she hatches, those ducklings are gonna are gonna go on. They're gonna leave. Uh, so, if you can just, you know. Uh, live with that duck a lot of folks call and they're they're concerned about the duck because they have a dog and they're afraid the dog is going to harass the the duck or capture the duck or whatever and you know i in those cases i say well if you're that you know if you're if you want to protect the hen then you will need to kind of keep your dog away from it or your cat may be the the case from it um Otherwise, you know, you can kind of just let nature take its course, so to speak. Um, But a lot of folks call because they're concerned about it and they care for the duck and they want to want to protect it. So, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that you have to consider there is number one. You can't just go in and start removing it. Uh, and then if you wanted to, if you wanted to work around your daily activities, you can do so. And the incubation period for these ducks is about 28 days on average. And then once that, those eggs hatch, those little ducklings are going to, are going to scurry off. Um, so, you know, that's, that's sort of the basic line that I give folks is that if you can live with it, then I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, there aren't a lot of options available. To you, you know, within the legal framework, at least not here in in Memphis. There may be some other places around the country that that have some uh, animal control operations that have those permits, and so that's one of the things that you can do is get in touch. You know, go through the through the. I guess I was going to say the yellow pages, but who knows what the yellow pages is anymore? You can Google for animal control company in your area uh, you can also and I've tried this as well you can also get in touch with your state game agency uh, natural resources agency or if you have a fish and wildlife service office uh, in the city where you live or where nearby where you live you can call them also now obviously ducks unlimited we don't have any of those permits we don't do that that kind of stuff but you know you can uh, you can call some of those folks uh, now what I will back up here, Chris, and I will say if people see a hen – a mallard kind of hanging around prospecting for a nest site at that time they can try to scare they if they see where that hen is kind of investigating they can put something up that would prevent the hen from getting there they can harass the hen as she's you know to try to scare her away to prevent her from nesting in those locations uh but yeah once she starts laying those eggs then um technically your options are limited.
1: Yeah. And I think I think that's a good point too, you know, when you see this the hen begin and a lot of people will see this early on or the early stages of this and even call in, which is interesting because they're seeing uh, mating rituals and they're seeing, you know, different mating flights and, and they're, they're like, these ducks are, you know, flying around my house. That's crazy. And I don't know what to do. And, and that's kind of those first steps. And, and, you know, that's kind of where I lead people like, hey, just, you know, keep your eye out if you see a nest, you don't want to. But another thing to point out to people, you know, that are confused as the reason, we're like, those birds are not counted in surveys you know, in overall waterfowl surveys, breeding population surveys. And I think that's something that's a little confusing to people. Um, but one reason for that, and I know, uh, Dale Humberg, our former chief scientist, he would always point out that the, the success rate of these kind of urban breeding birds is really low. Um, because not only do they have the same issues that, Wild birds are facing on the prairies, but they also have a lot of domestic cats. they have you know dogs, you know these people walking walking along could you know are disturbing the nest unintentionally um, but they have a lot of issues too, so that that nest success is fairly limited um so can you kind of talk about that like that's something that that people need to know, um especially when they're sitting there and they're like, "Hey,, this duck has been on the nest for you know over thirty days." What's going on? You know, the odds are she's probably getting ready to abandon that nest because something has either got it or, you know, or they find eggs after two or three days that are busted up and something happened. Um, that's something that, that people need to be aware of. That's right, Chris. Uh, I've with some of the stories
2: that we hear from people that call in about about the only response I can give people sometimes as well. You know, we're dealing with urban ducks here. Uh, And and sometimes these urban ducks and and urban geese also, we kind of have to have to remember to talk about them as well. But maybe the urban geese are a bit more predictable. I think Uh, some of the stories about urban mallards, especially in high concentrations, uh, they're 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 a bit different. And about the only thing I can say with respect to some of the things that people see and some of their comments about about these ducks is that, you know, they're. They're kind of weird. They're kind, they kind of do some weird stuff sometimes because they're in these artificially, in some places, artificially high concentrations, artificially high densities. And you see some weird social things. There may be some instances where the – I don't know the statistics on this. I don't know what average you know, viability and nest success rates of urban nesting mallards is, but my, my suspicion would be that they're – the the viability of the net of of the eggs of these of these ducks is probably lower than those in wild free ranging mallards. Uh, again, I don't know that to be factual, but uh, that it wouldn't surprise me to to be the case. I'm sure that information is out there. I'm just not uh, immediately familiar with it. So yeah, you kind of have to keep that in mind as well. These these ducks are just a little unusual uh, now. To your point about them not being surveyed, that is correct. But one of the interesting things that Ben O'Neill was sharing with us uh, last year on an earlier episode is that they're seeing, they're, they're studying some of these urban nesting mallards and they're finding some of those birds, a, f- a fair percentage of those birds actually making it into the harvest uh, of hunters, which is a really interesting thing in itself. And I know some other state, uh, state agencies are starting to invest resources, research, science, uh, resources into urban nesting mallards. I think the state of Michigan is, is going to be either, either going to be launching a study or maybe they've already initiated it. Uh, part of the work involves, uh, studying the breeding ecology of, of urban nesting mallards. You know, they've been around for decades. Uh, but, but you know, the, the they're starting to, interestingly enough, they're starting to kind of return to the science and research scene where we're realizing, hey, maybe they don't just hang out in the city like we always uh, thought they did. So, uh, they they do give us some really interesting questions to try to answer. And, and as we we're learning, it has some relevance to hunters. Now, in terms of Uh, Our ability to survey those those populations, that's a challenge that remains to be addressed, you know. And so that's uh, I'm I'm interested to see what the agencies figure out in terms of the ability
1: to do that. You kind of alluded to my next topic um, a little bit as far as Canada geese. And and it ends up these urban nesting Canada geese. for me personally, um, I honestly cannot get enough of those videos on like Instagram, where this Canada goose is just wrecking this businessman who's walking down the sidewalk. Like they're just hilarious, uh, and they don't know what to do. And 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 that's another point that kind of why we wanted to do these, this podcast here is you know what what do you do when you have what what is a business? Do I mean we get phone calls all the time? Hey, we have a Canada goose that's nesting right outside of our door. You know what can we do? And this thing is and and what what are they doing what is a canada goose doing when it is chasing a human down the sidewalk like what are they actually doing well they're saying get the heck out of here you know, that's right <laughs> they're just protecting the nest and that, that's what you know i think that a lot of people are like oh my gosh these geese are so mean and you know and it's that's that's not necessarily the case other than they are they do get pretty angry um but these waterfowl have these you know i've seen videos and you've probably seen it as well where canada geese are chasing away predators yeah oh, in yeah. the prairies or in the boreal but it's the same exact process and i think that's what people need to understand that's right
2: we have to again here we go back to an earlier conversation we had about the mating systems of waterfowl geese and swans and whistling ducks uh, and and a few other uh, species of ducks uh, but for the most part we're just talking geese and swans here uh, mate for life I mean, or at least mate until one of the pair members uh, dies and so that uh, they're able to do that partly just because they they are such large bodied birds there is value in both members of that pair remaining uh near near the nest site they are large enough that the male can actually help defend the female and the the nest and the eggs while in that nesting process you think about ducks there, the, a male duck can't really fend off a predator worth anything you know so that kind of has helped shape the the differences in the mating systems um and so yeah the me mentioning kind of swans in passing uh, also reminds me that they too, especially when we talk about mute swans and I think trumpeter swans in some locations, this is that we're starting to see this as well. they. Yes, they can be aggressive towards humans. But as you said, what they are doing is they are defending their female. They are defending that nest. They are defending those eggs. And then they'll also defend those goslings or, or the cygnets, the, the young swans, once they once they hatch. And of course, the larger a bird is, the more physically intimidating and quite frankly, dangerous it is for people that try to approach these birds. So um, in addition to When we're talking about geese and swans, in addition to any kind of legal ramifications for kind of messing with the birds, you you got to think about those birds' ability to actually physically harm you, and you do see that on occasion. Um, And in some cases, most of the times it's you know people are running away, being chased away, and they trip and fall and that type of stuff. But when they come at you with those wings. The bones in those wings are very powerful and very stout, and and you will feel it if they if they hit you with it. So you know, just people need to be mindful that uh, that when they see geese or swans acting aggressively towards them, give them wide berth because uh, you know they're they're trying to defend themselves, but then they're also they will uh, they will inflict a bit of harm on you if if it comes to that if they need to. Now. Um, there are, because Canada geese have, they, we've all seen in large concentrations of Canada geese, their droppings can create a mess and can uh, can, can create some unsanitary conditions and, you know, maybe in some cases some some health hazards. Uh, so, there are more options available to people for that type of nuisance goose control. And a lot of states have programs in place where they, they're... Uh, they allow people; or they facilitate the removal of those of those birds, the removal or relocation of those birds. So, uh, folks might have better success getting assistance with management of uh, problem Canada geese uh, or swans uh, than they would with with ducks. You know, possibly because of those those other factors there, the sanitation concerns as well as the you know just the physical harm and but the other thing that you that you can do for for canada geese and this is what people uh, like to like to really preach that our managers like to preach to people that perennially ha- every year have problems with canada geese is like what well, try to make whatever it is that you're the, whatever your your space is that they are using whether it be a golf course whether it be the front lawn of your office complex or your apartment complex or, you know a lot of times we see these new neighborhoods where they've they've constructed this pond and then surrounding it are all these housing units and then that pond is it's it goes from water to uh, immediately to to an abrupt change to the shoreline which is neatly groomed grass well Canada geese are grazers, and so what is the is the habitat that they are looking for when it comes to foraging? It's this neatly manicured young, lush grass that you're actually providing for them. so one way that you can uh, make your area one way that you can kind of help mitigate the the effect of these uh, the problems caused by Canada geese is to make your area, your backyard or your community. Recreational space less attractive to uh, to Canada geese, and, and you know it's. I, I r- realize there's a you. We also like that lush green grass because that's a great place for us to play. But you know, even uh, I think I've seen in many in in many places they'll encourage people to allow the grass at the very edge of the wetland to grow up. And so that makes it a little more difficult and perhaps discourages the Canada geese from coming to the edge of the pond and just walking right up out uh, onto the onto the grass. Now, I don't know how effective that is, but uh, you can start to use an understanding of the ecology of the species to help you manage your your property, your space. Uh, in a way that's less attractive to Canada geese, uh, to discourage their establishment in that location anyway. So it's another neat, uh, another alternative that we have for that species.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've even seen people who have put out like coyote decoys, um, to kind of deter the Canada geese from, from walking up in their yards and, and moving in on that. And I don't Again, I don't know how effective that is, but it it uh' is certainly something that someone can try um as which you know we've both kind of alluded to that that it is the issue with this is for everyone to understand it is it is illegal to harass you know these nests and these nesting birds these are federally protected birds, but there are options out there and in certain agencies to to contact um but no, I mean, I think this is Something that we get, like I said, we get the phone calls all the time. It's good for us to talk about this. It's good for us to approach it. Although what we need our audience to understand is that is not what Ducks Unlimited does. Ducks Unlimited does not go out and clear mallards from a local pool or someone's flower pot. Um, but it is, you know, like also like you mentioned, it's some something that this may be the only interaction that someone has with waterfowl. And... And we need to be able to educate that and and provide the information about these birds, because I think that's a very important thing. That's
2: right. And the other thing that I I try to leave people with is the realization that this nesting activity is limited in time. They're not going to be there year round, you know, so if you if they've established the nest, give them their space and just try to coexist with them. and. And, you know, the the nesting, that nesting period will last, well, four or five weeks at the most, or at least for an individual nest attempt. And so, let's say there's about an average of nine eggs laid. They'll, they'll lay one egg per day, and then they will incubate that nest or th- those eggs for about 28 days. So, you're looking at about 37 days there. Uh, so... Yeah, it's not. It's not the entire summer. Once they hatch, they're off to somewhere else. Uh, Now, what you can do is after that nest hatches or if it's destroyed or something, then take measures at that point to prevent the hen from coming back and nesting in that same location. You know, uh, we grow our our vegetable gardens and we have to, we have to contend with all sorts of insects and, and, and some folks, you know, try to use uh, non-chemical means. And so that's, you're trying to figure out what the, how to, how to fend off these, these uh, nuisance pests from eating your vegetables. And so it's kind of the same type of thinking with regard to with regard to ducks and geese that may be nesting in proximity to you try to understand what they're doing and figure out ways to prevent them from um from from doing that or make that those areas less attractive so um that's the that's the key message i always try to leave people with that it's, it, this is temporary so rather than rather than seeing seeing them necessarily as a as a problem in all cases yeah see if you can kind of learn something from a lot and a lot of folks do that they they actually take pride in and kind of caring for the ducks whenever they're, they're nesting, you know, they just want to know what they, what they need to do. And so I will tell you that I have one of the more interesting stories and I'll get you to share one of the, uh, an interesting, one of the more interesting stories that you've had there. If you, you have one of those last year, I received a call from a, from a lady who talked a lot about nesting and here I'm telling, telling folks that once the, those eggs hatch, the ducklings are off to somewhere else. Well, what this lady called me uh, to talk about was the fact that, Okay so the hen had hatched these eggs and she had a brood of ducklings but the ducklings had taken up shop in her pool and so she was trying, she said you know I try to get them out but then they go right back in there and then the next thing I know they're actually they actually caught in the filter you know how there's that just that filter that, that captures or trash collecting thing. I don't know exactly what it's called. We'll have a pool, but the ducklings would get in there and I think she would take the top off of it and they would be able to jump out of there, but it was just like a revolving door. She would get them out and then go back in. I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, if you have a if you have a dog, you can kinda let the dog out there and maybe you keep the dog on a leash and maybe it will scare the hen away and she'll realize this isn't a place to keep the ducklings. But basically that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to match wits with the ducklings and the hen at that point and trying to make that pool less attractive. Trying to send a message that hey, this is not a safe place for you. You need to go somewhere else. At that point, so, uh, so Chris, what about you? What's one of the weirdest calls you've received?
1: Oh, uh, uh, we've received all kinds of weird calls from golf courses to, like I said, you know, a Canada goose is set up at a local business right at the front door and it's attacking everyone who walks in, and that becomes a problem. But you know, just personally, you know, I have a pool and we open it usually middle to late April, we'll open the pool. And, uh, my 10 year old black lab, she's, you know, she's getting older, getting a little slower and she's not the most active dog, especially in the early morning when it's not duck season. And so we let her out in the morning and she usually just kind of saunters out in the backyard and does this, but you know, I'll, I'll honestly just open the back door and let her out and not be paying attention. And last year in the spring, I I opened the door and she almost like took my legs out from under me because she was going so fast. And she leapt and jumped into the pool that was only like half full. And these two mallards come flying <laughs> straight up. And we never saw them come in. We know you know we, we didn't know yeah. that they were in there obviously. Um but that but but they never came back. So, uh, once that happens, it's, you know, it's kind of a good deterrent for sure. You know, the dog chases them out, uh, but she didn't know any difference. She was, she was rearing to get, get a mallard in her mouth and in, in April and did, didn't know the difference, but <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots of these stories. And I think that's a good thing for people to understand. I'm glad that we had this conversation Glad we brought this to light. Um, we do have a page on our website that's called ducks nesting in your backyard. It's a highly popular, uh, visit, you know, throughout the spring and early summer, gets a lot of traffic, but it will explain to listeners or to visitors of the site, you know, what to look for in the nest, what the nest looks like as far as like a mallard nest or a Canada goose nest, you know, how long that bird's going to sit on the nest. It really goes through what you just explained. Uh, The whole process, it also highly encourages people to not mess with the nests. You know, it is against the law to contact state and fish and wildlife agencies if possible. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, I think what we've got, you know, we've provided as much information, I think, as we can about these birds right yeah. now. But I think one thing we need to look at is, is here soon, we're going to have to get uh, Dr. Ben O'Neill back on yeah. and discuss these urban mallards who are now becoming a part, potentially, of the harvest. Yeah. And yeah. that's a very, I mean, that was one of our most popular shows in the last season.
2: Yeah. And one one last thing before we go, uh, hearing you talk about this reminds me, uh, if people if people have a mallard nesting in their backyard and it hatches and you see the hen leading the ducklings away that's the most critical time to leave them alone let them do their thing a lot of people say they they kind of get worried when they see the hen get see one or two of the ducklings get separated from the hen and they want to try to rescue it and bring it back together with the hen my advice is leave the hen and the duckling alone even if you see them separated they, more times than not, will figure it out. The hen will call to the ducklings. She will try to get them to come back. Now, you see these stories online all the time about how ducklings falling into the sewer and, and people call out the fire, uh, the the fireman um, or the policeman to try to rescue those. You know, those are probably outlier situations more times than not. The hen and the ducklings are going to reunite and go on to wherever it is they're heading. If you just leave them alone and try not to intervene, you know, nature has a way of figuring things out. Uh, Nature has a way of kind of taking care of itself, you might you might say. And sometimes the outcomes are great. Sometimes the outcomes are not so great. Um, But uh, but that's always the safe thing is just let, quote, nature uh, take its course there. Let the hen and ducklings try to try to work things out and uh, and try not to interfere.
1: All right. Well, there you have it. That's the uh, information that's needed. So now for all of our listeners out there who see someone post on their next door app or (laughs) uh, post online that, uh, you know, they're having an issue with a duck, uh, feel free to either reference this podcast or send them to ducks.org and look up the ducks nesting in your backyard piece because it's a, a great source of information. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you joining me. Absolutely, Chris. This was fun. I'd like to thank my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier, for joining me today to talk about urban nesting ducks and geese and what to do with them. I'd like to thank our podcast producer, Clay Baird, who's doing a great job getting these things put together for us. And I'd like to thank you, the audience, for listening and supporting Wetlands Conservation.